You're listening to a Pave Media show. Visit pavemedia.net for more podcasts and video and So, John, imagine this. You are transported to Mars against your will and find yourself in the exact situation of John Carter. What three things that you already own would you take with you? So, I am John Carter in this scenario. Yeah. Okay. I would pack some clothes. I'm, I'm not really a loincloth kind of guy. So you're going to go there with wheelie luggage? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Well, you know, just at least some a, a shirt, something, some jeans. Just, okay, yeah. You know. To be fair, actually, that Martian landscape did not look very nice for your ginger skin. Well, that brings me to my second choice, which is some Factor 60. Yeah. It is Mars, after all. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And finally, I would bring a lot of bug spray. Oh, yeah. solve the problem with those farky things pretty easily. Yes, yes, that's uh, that's a pretty good shout. Yeah, yeah. You'd do pretty well, I think. Yeah, I think I'd probably survive. Yeah. I mean, you'd do well for you, (laughs) I would say. Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. It's uh, John of Mars, actually. Oh, John of Mars, I'm sorry. Yes, and uh, yeah, we've got a guest on this week, we've got Brandon T. McClure from the Fake Nerds podcast. Hi, how are you? We're all good, how are, how are you? I'm okay, I'm okay. It's early for me. How early? Uh, it's about like 11 o'clock. I normally sleep until this point though, so, you know. Uh, I normally sleep way, way after that, so, you know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool, and so, Brandon, you've actually just joined Pave Media, so, uh, yes. you know, ha- hello and welcome to the network. Thank you. I'm happy to be a part of it. Now, you've brought a film here. Tell us, wh- why have you brought uh, John Carter? Well, John Carter is an interesting film uh, in that it's one of Disney's biggest flops of all time. It came out at a time honestly probably too late or too early depending on where you think but no matter what it fell into this this kind of area where just it bombed and there was never a sequel and it definitely sets up one and the director andrew stanton who was the director of finding finding nemo and finding dory Mm -hmm. uh he intended it to be the launching point of a trilogy and we never got it, and that's just a, a damn shame in my eyes. It's a great movie. It's a fun, fun movie. Just an action adventure that they don't do anymore, and they haven't done since. Okay, so you say it's a great movie and a fun movie. Um, is that true? <laughs> oh, did you guys not like it? Not the biggest fans, to be honest. Oh, I see, yeah. I see. <laughs> I mean, how tied are you to this movie, like, emotionally speaking? Well, if you don't, if you don't like it, that's fine. But, I mean, obviously, I'm in the minority since... Uh, a lot of people didn't see it, um, but okay. it's fine. <laughs> Good. I, I didn't want to be like the the arsehole who like like rips on your favorite movie. No, no, no. Uh, I'll be honest. This movie made me feel very old. Oh, really? <laughs> but you are very old. No, well, yes. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. <laughs> like, I just honestly, I was watching this movie yesterday, and I, t- I actually sent a text to Harry saying. I'm an hour and 20 minutes into this movie, and I have literally no idea what's going on. Mm, that's fair. That's that's definitely fair. In fact, I actually watched it a, a second time today before this podcast, just because I, honestly, the first time I watched it, I got nothing out of it that I could bring to this podcast to like discuss and talk about. Mm-hmm. And I watched it a second time, and 
much the same. It's just been, <laughs> it was so convoluted. It's a lot. And Andrew Stanton's gone on record saying like he was drunk with power. This was his first live action film and Disney mm-hmm. gave him all the power. So he was just kind of like, I'll do whatever I want. That might not have been the way to go. But he was definitely <laughs> attempting something. Oh, sure. I mean, it's obviously a labor of love. Like, there's obviously a lot of enthusiasm going into this. And it is, it kind of blew my mind when I read about Andrew Stanton and the fact that he wrote, not just directed, he also wrote Wally, Toy Story 2, yes. and Finding Nemo. And find, like, wow. They're amazing films. And they are films with a real sense of narrative cohesion. Like, they have great stories mm-hmm. and they hang together really well. And the main problem I had with this film is that it just, as I mentioned, it was so convoluted. It felt like. I really thought I was watching it out of sync or something. Like, I thought as the copy I got, like, put all the scenes in the wrong order or something. Because yeah, like... I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, Harry, how did you, how did you find it? I don't think I found it as, as convoluted as you. Like, I, I I kind of understood the basic plot of what was going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I really think that the film could have done better to actually have been a trilogy and not just be the first third of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because clearly, it was, like you said, it's... Uh, Brandon is setting up for uh, for more films to come after it, and there's there's a lot of detail in it which they're putting in. It's clearly going to pay off later in other bits, and it's very obviously based off a book because it's got that level of detail. Yeah, uh, is it a book or is it a comic book series? It's a book. It was a book first, okay. and they have they have made comics based off of it. And are you familiar with those? Did you were you a fan of the source materials first, or were you, you just a fan of the film when it came out? I mean, I'd always heard of it because it's. Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote the book in 1913, I think, and Mm -hmm. he is the primary source of inspiration for most of the the sci-fi films and stories that came out after. So Star Wars has a lot of influence from Edgar Rice Burroughs. Mm-hmm. For example, ah, that 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 explains the Attack of the Clones style scene. To- yeah, because yes. I spent this whole film thinking this is giving me like bad Star Wars prequel flashbacks. Like- mm. Yeah, actually, uh, Robert Zemeckis was initially attached to direct the film. The film was in development hell for seventy nine years, and Robert <laughs> Zemeckis. Sometimes that's a sign. <laughs> <laughs> And Robert Zemeckis had initially been attached to direct, and he was like, "I didn't want to do it because George Lucas did it better." Mm. Mm, okay. So it was like very clear that George Lucas, even the poster art for Star Wars initially, like it was very clear George Lucas took a lot of inspiration from this story. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's actually really interesting that this is like comes before all of that stuff because I, I guess that is it's one of those unfortunate things where because it took so long to get to the screen, so many things that came after it also oh, came absolutely. before it. If that makes sense. We're, yeah, because that was the main thing. It, it felt really derivative to me, but actually, I guess if it's Actually, yeah, it actually invented that the genre was, in many ways. Like, yeah, that was one of the things that my, my friends and I talked about a lot. Like, a lot of people felt the story was derivative, but it's not because everything else is derivative of it. It's just where, like I said before, the film came out too late because everything has mm. done it since. For 79 years, it was supposed to be the first animated film uh, before Snow White even came out, and that didn't happen. And then. Wow, well, sorry, you weren't exaggerating when you said 79 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this film oh, has right, been. Cool. In, development hell for a very long time even before disney got the rights to it uh disney lo- no longer has the rights to it but for a while like if disney were to make what make it now i feel like it would do infinitely better because of the the clout disney has right now they're just in a mm-hmm. much better space than they were when they put this film out mm-hmm. so it's either too late or too early and i don't know which is which it also really reminded me of stuff like the league of extraordinary gentlemen Ouch. and um 
And I know that sounds like such a burn. Well, but you know what I mean, like the but not just because it's well, personally I didn't care for it, but also because like it's got that kind of steampunky style. Mm, maybe. I can see that. Can maybe see it's that. not technically steampunk, but it's got that kind of. I don't know. It had that vibe of like I could well imagine John Carter, the character being in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. If I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't let Alan Moore listen to this. That might happen. Really? Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just had that like way too many plot lines kind of. Maybe that's the thing because League of Extraordinary Gentlemen also came from a bunch of famous novels and stuff, and yeah. it just tried. To, consequently, it tried to pack way too much world building into you know a two-hour movie, and it just ended up this kind of incomprehensible mess. Yeah, and it's kind of how I felt about this a little bit. Yeah, I can totally see that. Mars. So you name it and think that you know it. The red planet. No air. No life. But you do not know Mars, for its true name is Barsoom. And it is not airless, nor is it dead. But it is dying. The city of Zodanga saw to that. Zodanga, the predator city. Moving, devouring, draining Barsoom of energy and life. Okay, so Brandon, do you want to take us on a bit of a plot summary? Try and catch me and John up with the film. Sure. So so we start with John Carter. He's on Earth. And he used to be a Confederate soldier within the American Civil War. Uh, this is now the 1880s. Uh, the Civil War is long over, and he's a gold prospector. He's captured by Brian Cranston. <laughs> In Brian Cranston and his best supporting wig. Yes. yes. I love his mustache. <laughs> my goodness, that, that 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 was a bit of a shock to me when I worked out. Oh my god, that's Brian Cranston. Yeah. Oh dear. This portion of the film had so many like stick on mutton chops as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, Brian Cranston had a uh, shortly after Breaking Bad. Brian Cranston was in a couple of films that you would never have known uh, otherwise. This one was one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I looked it up actually. This came out before Breaking Bad finished. Oh, this interesting. Was about sort of Breaking Bad season five, start of season five mm-hmm. time. Oh, okay. So like when, it, when it's at his absolute height. Yeah. yeah. And, so he, probably, yeah. and he, he did this. Yeah. He probably, well, let's face it, this didn't take him long to shoot. Yeah. And also, I'm sure that this film was sold to a lot of people as this is going to be the next Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. totally. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that every actor who's in this is expecting, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the next uh, Frodo. Yeah. This cost yeah, and- more than Avatar. <laughs> oh, seriously, that, that's another stat. The, the, this film cost more to make and market than Avatar. That I didn't know. That's ridiculous. Seriously? Yeah, that's what, a stat that I read. What did Avatar cost? Like, I don't know the exact numbers, but this cost more. And obviously, we're all seeing a lot I'll, less. I'll look it up. This film, Disney was hoping to be the next Star Wars because they hadn't bought Lucasfilm yet. So, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this film, I remember reading this film needed to, because it didn't, it is a famous bomb, but it didn't like make no money. I mean, it did make no money. It lost loads of money, but it didn't take no money. It took over 200 million at the global box office, which for like a smaller film would be a huge success. Yeah. But it needed to make 700 million just to break even. Yeah. That's how much it cost to make a market. Do you know how much this one cost then? I don't know. Because no. Avatar cost 237 million. Mm-hmm. I think this one cost um, like 200 million. Maybe yeah. I don't, 250 million. I think the, the general is with the big budget blockbuster like this nowadays, about 250. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. add on another 100 million for marketing. Oh, yeah. yeah this, this, this cost 250 million. Yeah. This needed to enter like the top 32 <laughs> highest grossing films of all time just to break even. That's how confident they were that this was going to be the next big thing. Now, 
where did that budget go? <laughs> well, I think this because movie looked really good. It, it had its moments where it did look really good, but it also had its moments where it didn't look very good at all. Mm-hmm. Well, some of that's like technology is dated. It is, but like this came out, what, three years after Avatar? Mm-hmm. Three or four? And I would say the CGI characters are vastly worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Avatar's it, aging a little bit worse than a lot of people are giving it credit for. Okay, sure. I mean, to be I honest, I've, I've not seen that in, a, you know, about 20 years. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's fair. You're a six-year-old boy. Okay. <laughs> Avatar 2 in 2020. Yeah. It's oh, going to be huge. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Um, but anyway, please cons- return to your... Yeah. Um, so he's captured by Brian Cranston, and he... In a couple of funny slapstick esca- escape attempts, he finally escapes... They were my favorite part of the movie, actually. I've got to say, yeah, there's a lot of them. Those are pretty that, fun. That one scene when he's constantly like interrupting Brian Cranston's speechifying because it's like that thing in every every movie where um, Brian Cranston's not really the villain in this film, but he's being set up as the villain. You know, there's always that bit where Doctor Evil's giving his long speech. It's yes. like, why mm-hmm. doesn't the hero just jump? And and the fact that they undercut that that genuinely was like a laugh out loud moment for me. So yeah. I'll, give this, I'll give this film that. That did make me laugh. So. Just j- <laughs> jumps out the window halfway through Brian yeah. Cranston's speech. Yeah, so he escapes and. Uh, uh, there's a chase sequence that leads with, into the Indian chase sequence. The Apaches are now chasing them, and Brian Cranston gets shot. Uh, a lot of this prologue doesn't really matter, but it's kind of entertaining. You've, you've actually missed the first prologue, because this film has three prologues You're right. it actually <laughs> gets started. I totally <laughs> forgot. I totally forgot, because yeah. this is actually something I wish that hadn't been the prologue. I totally forgot mm-hmm. the, ma- the first prologue is Willem Dafoe narrating what Barsoom is, which is Mars. Mm-hmm. We get the intro sequence where we introduce the main villain of the story and a pretty exciting, actually, well, I think it's an exciting, like, uh, flight sequence where we get a, t- a taste of what's happening and how Mars is uh, at war with helium and what's the, uh, what's the other, uh, J- it starts with a J, jeez, I totally forgot. Jeddah, is it? No, uh, Je- Jeddak is, are the kings. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, J- Jarsoom? No, that's Earth. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, there was so much... The terminology in this film... So many made-up words. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I think people were saying the same thing about Star Wars, too, for a while. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that is sci-fi, but... Yeah, I totally forgot what the... It starts with... It's Jorathium? Jor- I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, you, um, you speakers are the wrong people. Like, we're, yeah. We're not going to be able to help you with this. <laughs> so this guy, they're at war, and the, this guy's losing the war, and then the Thurns... This is who, Dominic West, right? The actor Dominic West is playing the warlord yes i believe yeah. so uh so mm-hmm. that now these other alien beings called the therns come down mm-hmm. with this like wiry blue thing that's it ultra powerful like a, yeah it looks like a bad 3d print of like a ship in a bottle or something like, it, i think yeah. the, this is where the technology doesn't you know the cgi the the, the the weapon doesn't look particularly impressive yeah i'll i'll accept that so Mark Strong plays the leader of the Therns, and he gives him this thing, um, and then we're cut to Earth. Now, just you know, go back to what I said before. Now, John Carter and Brian Cranston are in the the Spider Cave, which is what John Carter's been looking for to find gold, and there's tons of gold in it. Brian Cranston's now helping him because the you know the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of situation. <laughs> so Brian Cranston kind of captures him and puts him yes. in jail with all of his Confederate buddies. Because he's trying to recruit him to the army, right? To kind of fight yeah. the Apaches. Yes. And so there's this whole whole thing where he's trying to interrogate him and then 
John Carter keeps trying to break free, and, if, and you know, he's, he's, he's obviously got a bad attitude, this John Carter guy. And then John Carter ultimately escapes, rides off on a horse, and then they're giving chase, and the Apaches come out, and there's a, this whole fight. And then he, John Carter chooses to rescue Brian Cranston. Yeah. Brian Cranston gets shot by the Apaches, right? Yeah. But it's like he leaves all the other guys to die. He just he, he specifically just saves Brian Cranston, who yeah. he's got no pre-existing relationship with. Yeah, that's any more than the other guys. I think the other guys are already a lost cause because they oh, okay, kind of they kind of disappear into the fight. But Brian Cranston mm-hmm. was, you know, he was just shot once and he was still chasing after John. And John felt bad because he was like, "Well, this guy's in this situation because of me," which is a character trait we actually see John later use, where it's just like, "Well, I'm not completely a dick. I just kind of want to be left alone." Yeah, sure. So he does say Brian Cranston, and, and he's exploring the spider cave, and he sees this thing where this like altar thing. And then all of a sudden, a Thern, uh, we find out later that they're called Therns, he shows up and be like, oh man, someone's in my cave, and gets shot by Brian Cranston. <laughs> and he dies, and he's starting to recite something. This It's not English, but he's saying whatever it is. And Brian Cranston touches the amulet that he has, just as he says... Um, oh, do you mean John Carter? Brian Cranston is oh, not yeah, going to Mars. John Carter, sorry. Uh, yeah, Brian, this is a wrap on Brian Cranston. This is the end of him in this movie. Like He's not going to Mars. Brian Cranston <laughs> won't be in the movie much longer. Um, no. That's why they spend so much time on this relationship, like where he saves, you know, because when John Carter rescues Brian Cranston from this near-death experience, yes. I was like, okay, so the, these are our characters. These are our main characters. You know, it's going to be this odd couple relationship. You know, they're not going to like each other, but they're going to be on an adventure together. And mm-hmm. they're going to, you know, you know it's a typical adventure movie. And nope. Once this happens, Brian Cranston is just not in the movie anymore. <laughs> yep. The Earth stuff is really just inconsequential to, to the story. It, it's, it only yeah. serves to, to get him to the cave. And yet it takes 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so Sorry. He, yeah, but that's how these fantasies work. Like, look at Lord of the Rings before they actually go on the adventure. That is and an he, hour. And, and he, like, he, even then, like, it takes ages for him, for him to leave Hobbiton. Well, yeah, sure. yeah. Sound, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and then even it, it it then takes them ages to get to the elves' place, have the whole meeting, and then leave that. Sure, and that's like half the film. But that's sure. what the film is about is from then onwards. Yeah, it, well, that's this is the thing. It's world it, building. It can and, work, and it either works yeah. or it doesn't. For me personally, it didn't work for this film because I, we'll we'll get to it. I think the difference there is in in Lord of the Rings, you're already in a fantastical world. You're already. Yeah. In this yeah, exactly, in this yeah. area, whereas here you're just on Earth yeah. in the 1870s, mm. like it's just Earth. Yeah. Well, you uh, start in Mar on Mars, as you mentioned, like the Willem Dafoe thing, where I genuinely thought I'd downloaded the wrong film and I was watching Mortal Engines, you know, for the initial yeah. <laughs> intro thing. Then it jumps from Mars to Earth in 1870 something when you've mm-hmm. got John Carter's nephew. Is that the kid from Spy Kids? Oh man, Spy Kids. I forgot. Oh, it. Yes. I forgot about the second intro. You see what I mean? But it's so convoluted. <laughs> which is the which is the framing device of the whole movie. Yeah. But but also it's only at the start and end. Like it, yeah. it makes no difference to the rest of the yeah. plot. Otherwise, right. it's just. But we jump to three diff- very specific different time frames and locations in the space of the first twenty minutes of the movie before the main action starts. Yeah. And I think the difference between that and the Lord of the Rings is that yes, we're in Hobbiton for a long ass time, but we start in Hobbiton, mm. and it's creating this thing. That at the end of the Return of the King, you know, when Sam and Frodo are having their mm-hmm. moment on when they think they're going to die, mm-hmm. and it, it gives it that emotional core because, like, oh, they just want to go back to Hobbiton because yeah. you, you spent enough time to understand why. I don't know why I said Hobbiton. I should have just said the Shire, really. The Shire, yeah, the Shire. <laughs> That's yeah. Anyway, but, so yes, my point was that there's too many intros in this film. Yeah. Yes. Do you think but, it would have been better if they kind of 
consistently jumped around time rather than mm. just having like a bit of it at the start and then a little bit at the end. I do think that the Spy Kids character should have been a, either a character or not in it at all. Mm, yeah. Or they could have cut that whole framing device, or they could have not. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think the I think you know to your point, I think the framing device should have been at the beginning. We shouldn't have had the sequence with Barsoom on the at the beginning. Yeah. If you take that out, because that's the true beginning of the movie, then it goes to the to the nephew, and then it goes to the flashback, and then now then we're on, then we're finally get to Mars. But mm-hmm. if you take out the beginning of the Willem Dafoe bit, and you just have the framing device of the kid, because you need that then to go to the ending. And if those are the only places where you're putting it, that shouldn't be your second intro. That should be your first intro. Mm-hmm. I think anyway. My dear Edgar, I remember how I used to take you on my knee and tell you wild tales, which you always did me the great courtesy of believing. Now you are grown. Time and space have parted us, but I reach out across that distance to that same wide-eyed boy and ask him to believe me once more. This wild tale begins 13 years ago, in the Arizona Territory, between the Pinaleno Mountains and the backside of hell. So it's the second, the, the second intro, real quickly to recap, is Ned, who is John Carter's nephew, has come to basically take care of his will and his things because John Carter's dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he reads the journal, and then that's when we get to the proper flashback uh, of the events of the story. It's all told through flashback. The story is yeah, a flashback. So through the third intro, we finally get to Mars. And he doesn't yes. know how he got there. He's just not even sure where he is. He just knows he's in a desert. And he can jump really far. He finds this Thark. The the, the Thark eggs have hatched. And yes. we meet Willem Dafoe's character, uh, who is Tars Tarkas, who is the yeah. Jeddak of the Tharks. <laughs> The names drove me nuts. <laughs> the names drove me nuts. Like, <laughs> Tars talks. The bad. The, the Dominic West character was he called Sad Fan? Probably. I, I couldn't get a handle on any of the names. Of the I movie. only know a handful of the names. I know Dejah Thoris, the Tars yeah. Tarkas, and uh, John Carter. That's it. They all felt like first draft names. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the first drafting of the script, I'm sure they're all in the book, but it was just like. These are not names that like scan particularly naturally. Right? Mark Strong is Matai Shang. Matai Shang. No, no, no. Dominic West's character is Sad Fan. Sab Fan. Sab Fan. I heard it as Sad Fan as yep. in a sad like thing that you fan yourself with. Right. There's Cantos Can. See, these just Sakoja. These are great. I love it. It was just way too much. Like <laughs> Tardos Moors. Mm. Tal Hadjus. <laughs> we get the picture. Harry. We get the picture. Put down the phone. Uh, it's a lot. But uh, but yeah. So. Uh, Willem Dafoe and the, these Farks are like green al- CGI alien yes. characters. They're kind of like um, they're Jar-Jar they're the Green people. Martians, and they have tusks and the, yes. they have uh, four arms, and they they're more of a they're more of the um, the kind of the the of the land of the they're not as high tech as the other Barsoomians. Yeah, I was wondering if they were supposed to represent the Native Americans because it seemed like that was a kind of parallel between you know cause the the framing device of brian cranston is you've got your you know american confederates versus your native americans with because because they were more like as you mentioned off the land kind of a yeah. more is primitive too offensive i don't mean you, you know but you know what I mean like they, they weren't particularly technology driven like 
comparatively. Yeah. So I wondered if that was like the, if that was supposed to be the parallel there that they were the native. I think so. And the I think yeah. that's the idea, or at least the idea presented in mm-hmm. the books. I don't know if it's quite as well executed in the movie. Sure, because this book is over a hundred years old, so you know, um, racial sensitivities probably aren't you know what they are today. Oh yeah, Dejah Thoris is a completely overhauled character. Her character is very much a damsel in distress in the in the book. She gets kidnapped more than any other archetype within her within her archetype in the books. But in the movie, she's got agency. She's the lead of the science council. She's mm-hmm. you know uh, a, a skilled fighter. I actually really like what they did with Dejah Thoris in the movie. I mean, I'd say that she's better than what it sounds like she is in the books, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. She does get rescued a lot. Well, when she you start at when you start at zero, yeah, I've, I've got a drinking game for every time she is carried. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you start at when you start at zero, it's difficult to get to ten. Well, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Progress, it's progress. Yeah. So yeah, so the so the Tharks take uh, John Carter because they think he's some weird form of white ape, um, which is actually the name of Tarzan, another Edgar Rice Burroughs character. I wondered because the styling with the loincloth and like you know he did look and the hair and everything he really did look like Tarzan. So I, I, yeah. I did read that the, the, the writer also wrote Tarzan. I was like, that makes sense. He has a thing for like hot guys with mid-length hair in loincloths. Like I did yep. enjoy the, the the sequence slash montage where they just treat him like a baby, yeah, entirely. <laughs> Whether it's wrapping up in baby clothes, feeding him milk, and stuff like that it was good yeah. that was that was somewhat entertaining yeah like, i was yeah. confused as to why they shaved his beard i mean i know cause, because they needed to make taylor kitch look like taylor kitch, exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a beard yeah. yeah i don't know how they knew of what beards were because as far as we know these species don't yeah. grow them uh, yeah oh yeah it's like treat him like a baby are you shaving your babies yeah. <laughs> what's happening here like hey they're aliens you don't know you don't know yeah exactly yeah the uh, so the opposite that, to us they get beards until they hit puberty yeah, and yeah. then all the hair falls out yeah but i just think one thing we need to make clear for listeners that i don't know if we've touched on yet is that because john carter is on mars and it's not his natural habitat he can jump exceptionally high and he has super strength yes. and they're his like main powers so that's why he's so attractive to everyone who meets him because it's like he's a super Superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so everyone's kind of like, this is not normal. Uh, yeah. he, because he doesn't resemble any form of Martian. There's a couple Martians. There's the red Martians, which is Dejah Thoris and the, the humanoid ones. Then there's the green Martians, and those are the only two we see in the movie. However, in the book, there's all sorts. There's yellow, the white, uh, black. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of different Martians. Are mm-hmm. Dominic West's crew, like the, the conquering ones, the, the bad guys, are they also Red Martians? They're a different tribe yeah. of Red Martians? Or are they like yeah, Blue they're, Martians? Yeah, they're just a different tribe of Red Martians. Okay, fine, cool. But they sure. their colors are blue, so it's... Their tattoos it's, were blue, weren't they? Like Yeah. It, yeah it's, okay, to, so. it, it's to represent just a different clan of Red Martian. Sure, 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 okay. So the Tharks take him um, and a bunch of their babies, and we kind of get what the Tharks are. They're this warlike species who are more tribal, and they kill basically they're weak because they want to have only strong then a really like brutal killing of babies which is something um, did they kill the babies yeah they killed all the babies that didn't hatch oh i didn't pick up on that at all i was wondering what was going on it seemed because they just sort of threw the babies into a ring and then I everybody was, just scrambled for all the babies and, i was yeah. very concerned about the child care i, w- I was film, thinking are, yeah. they, are these bred to are they animals that are going to be eaten are these they're young these like, are their young what's what's going on are they is everybody scrambling for them because everybody wants a kid? Yes. And, the, and, and there's only one thing that can lay eggs. Because yeah. there's a whole thing coming up in the plot later about parentage when the... Is it Salu? Saru? What, what's like, what's she called? The female? Deja. Deja. Not, she's called Deja? Not, no, no, no. Not you're her. talking about the Thark female, the main Thark, the Thark female. female. yeah. I don't remember. Don't worry but, about yeah, it. There's a whole thing where she is Willem Dafoe's daughter, but she doesn't know because 
most of the farks don't. I can't believe I've actually understood this film more than you two now after all this <laughs> me complaining. Um, but yeah, doesn't she? She finds out that she's Willem Dafoe's dad, but because all of the farks. Sorry, she's Willem Dafoe's dad. Daughter, sorry, daughter. Yeah, she's Willem Dafoe's <laughs> daughter. But because they all get raised remotely in these little egg pouches, they mm-hmm. don't know who's parented them because it's just like a free for all, apparently. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that was it. Yeah. So they, yeah, they kind of lay the eggs, and the eggs will put somewhere remotely, and then it's like there's yeah. no sense of parentage. It's just like, like you said, there's a scramble. You just pick a baby, and you raise that baby. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So they treat John as a baby. They're given to who you said the Thark female, who's the. He was the daughter of Willem Dafoe's character. And Willem Dafoe's the only one who knows this at this point. But they're like, you know, raise, her, raise, this, kid, raise this weird thing to be our whatever. And they call him Virginia, not John Carter, because they don't understand English. Um, yeah, because he introduces I, himself I, as from Virginia. Yeah. The States, yeah. And so they think that's his name. I clocked that right away. I was like, oh, that's not the right way to introduce, introduce yourself. They're just going to get confused because they don't know the difference between your name and your location. And then it happens. So. Yeah. I predicted a thing, and it happened. Good for you. Go yeah. me. So yeah, so they they end up giving him the speech of Barsoom, the language of Barsoom, which is basically water that makes you understand because magic. So then he tries to prove himself. There's some fun escaping with the dog, which I thought I thought the dog was really cute. It was very much like, oh, this character needs a sidekick. Yeah. Bring in a dog. Yeah. <laughs> like there was no introduction to the dog. There was no reason for the dog to be there. But it was like, okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't like it. I, I'm a sucker for weird animals. Oh, so. I, just, I, just, I just don't like dogs. So, <laughs> oh, you know. it wasn't technically a dog. Yeah, but it was. There wasn't I mean, it. Yeah. And like they were riding horses. <laughs> it was a... Yeah, not technically horses, but they were horses. Sure, sure. sure. Oh, what happened next? They get to the bit of the action sequence. No, I think we cut to Deja Thoris uh, trying to explain how the how their rivals can uh, harness the blue light. She can also harness it, uh, and her yeah, king so is. So she's a princess. Yeah, she's the princess of Mars, but also the leader of the uh, of the science academy on Mars of Helium, which yeah. is her plan- her uh, faction. Ugh. I, the capital I, I, of Mars. Another, another message I sent to Harry while watching this film I was like, if, again, this is like an hour, and I was like, if this bitch says Helium one more time, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was just every other word. Like, we must get to Helium, Helium. You must save Helium, Helium. It's like it's a balloon. <laughs> Bear in mind this is now in, so I reply saying like, while well, you're going to be totally out of this film by yeah. the end, he goes and watches it a second time. Well, I need to understand it, but yeah. So she is, but yeah, she's she's the princess, but she's also engineering this kind of blue light thing, which yes. is like a super weapon or something. Yeah. So it's it's this it's this light that can be harnessed. It's called it's also called the ninth ray. Uh, it can be har- It's harnessed by the therns and given to. Uh, the Barso- the red the red Martians uh, and she can also tap into it she's very close to tapping into it to give helium the edge but she's thwarted by the therns they're like no 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 we can't have anybody do this uh, have this power so we're going to destroy this thing and make you look like an idiot because the ferns can shapeshift that's another thing they can yes they they can kind of be anywhere and be anyone they can shapeshift all the time so the, there's yeah. a, she's demonstrating that she's kind of close to cracking this weapon and yeah. then a fern disguised as a red Martian. red Martian dignitary or guard or whatever kind of touches it and then breaks it basically. Yeah, and so and she's like, "Oh wait, I did this," and and the king's like, "Look, stop being an idiot. You're gonna have to marry this guy, or else we're all gonna die." Yeah, <laughs> and she doesn't she doesn't like that, and she runs away. Yeah, 
<laughs> so the uh, movie, one of many movies in which so many lives could have been spared if one woman had just decided to suck it up and get married. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Man, this guy John was Lucas an asshole. feminist over here. No, no, no. I'm just saying in this particular instance, a lot of people died for her not wanting to marry Dominic West. I'm just saying, like, you know. Okay. Yeah, but Dominic West is an asshole. He um, was an asshole, but, you know, she could have found other ways. You know. Yeah, that's fair. So she escapes, and I don't remember... Her. Oh yeah, the escaping the John Carter escaping uh, leads to them punishing uh, Sola and John, uh, and we get to set we you know we see all of Sola's uh, scars of every time she's been punished, and and Tars is like, there's no more room. The next offense will be your last. Yeah. Um, so Sola's like the nice alien, dark. like the nice farm thing. So she she kind of has a conscience, and she she kind of tries to help John Carter out as much as she can. And for yeah. that, she is punished. She's punished because he escapes from the child crash kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, while this is happening, the helium and the 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 red Martians are fighting above, and they're ta- and they're like, "Oh my god, hide and take bets!" And so they all take bets on who's going to win and who's going to die. And John Carter sees a woman, and he's like, "I need to be a hero," and goes to save the woman. Um, yeah. <gasps> She's human. <laughs> yeah, right. That, therefore, that's therefore a- I value her life. That's a girl. Um, yeah. Time to time. <laughs> Having to... <laughs> just killed several of these alien creatures, like you know. Yeah. So he goes. He goes to save. He goes to save her. And kind of, you know what? To the screenwriter's credit, there's a bit where he's like, "Stay behind me." And she's just kind of like, "Wait, this guy can. What is he doing?" And then there's a bit where he like he he like loses, and she's like, "Now stay behind me," and she kicks ass. I was like, "That's cute." Points there. So thanks to John Carter, the the bad guys lose, and she's like, "You can take me prisoner." I need to. I need to know what this is, mm-hmm. uh, and so she gets. She's the one who gives the exposition dump of like, you know, what are you? How does this happen? And uh, he's and he's like, I'm from Earth, and he's like, I don't know what Earth is. You're on Barsoom, and he's like, I don't know what Barsoom is. So he, so he's like, we're here. We're on Earth, the third planet from the sun. And she's like, no, no, no. We're on the fourth planet from the sun, Barsoom, and he's like, I'm on Mars. <laughs> uh, so points for him for understanding like right away that yeah. he's not on the same planet. I'll be honest, at this point in the film, because this happens, what, 45 minutes in? An hour, Probably. maybe? I had completely forgotten that this film was set on Mars. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that that's where we were. Like, so, so I was as surprised as he was. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. The movie is no longer... The movie was initially supposed to be called John Carter of Mars, but mm, yeah. they changed it. They changed it because they wanted to get women to see the movie, and that didn't work, so... I don't know. Wow. <laughs> so sorry, and, now, and then loads of women saw the movie. It was great. <laughs> so taking away the of Mars thing makes it more repeating. You know the women don't like the science, Harry. It was really, <laughs> it was really stupid how Disney was like nobody wants to see a sci-fi movie set on Mars, but they want to see a movie about a hot boy called John Carter. I was going to say just call it Taylor Kitsch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was dumb, and and uh, there was a there was a um. There was like a poll set, like, you know, a bunch of people like, would you have gone to see this movie? It was called John Carter of Mars. And overwhelmingly, everyone was like, yeah, hell yeah, that sounds awesome. So, you know, that sucked. Sun. Then Rasu. Mercury. Then Kosu. Venus. Then Earth. Us. That is Jasum. You are on Barsoom, John Carter. Mars.
so she's like she's like i want to get this i want to get this person to helium because he's going to uh he can he can save my my kingdom he can save my life he can save everything he's the he's the whatever he's like i just want to get back to earth i just want gold everyone leave me alone i just want my gold on earth he kept talking about this cave of gold yeah. yes the Where spider cave. This cave of gold oh, no, it was the he, cave that he was he started in yeah it was full of gold was it yeah it yeah. was like not like a pot of gold but like the the ceiling was lined with gold was it oh i missed yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah it was enough to make him a rich man when he when we flash back to the future yeah that's why uh, he's so wealthy uh, yeah plot details huh? yeah plot details <laughs> See, you watch it twice, you pick up on these things. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> uh, and I've watched it. I've watched it a bunch of times. It's a fun adventure film. Anyway, it sounds like you've watched it a fair few times. I've, I must compliment your knowledge on this film. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm starting to. I don't remember where what happens next though. <laughs> uh, so just where were we? They so just worked out what planet they're on. Oh yeah. yeah so then the three world. of them set out, don't they? Because um... yes, that's right. So now they set. Now they set out to figure out because she because they go to the temple of the tharks which is the temple of isis which is their god and yeah. the therns are the priests of isis and this is so convoluted because <laughs> <laughs> it so never comes up again right yeah. and she's like i you saw this and there's like a thing of the medallion and he's like that's what got me to barsoom and she's like okay well we can get to the temple of isis on the river whatever the hell and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might as well as well have been called the river whatever the hell yeah mm. and we can take and i and we can get you home from that so they're like okay yeah but they're caught by the evil tharks and tars is like i'll deal with them get out of here go away run before i change my mind so he lets them all leave that's when it's revealed that sola is tars's daughter yeah because john carter has a psychic moment so yeah they, they, they go into this temple uh they figure out that the reason that the way john carter got to mars was by touching this medallion which is also yes. the temple which is very sacred to the fogs yes and so john carter and low rent xena warrior princess and um deja thoris Deja forest sorry and solu the the nice fog they go into the temple and then they they read some of the inscriptions and it gives them some kind of information. And then they yeah. get caught by the other fogs who are like, you can't be in the sacred temple. That's blasphemy. So you must die now. And then, but then John Carter has a psychic moment when he realizes that Solu is Willem Dafoe's daughter. And so he's like, yes. you don't want your daughter to die, do you? And he's like, fine, you guys run away and I'll take the hit for it. Yeah. Basically. So he, so they all, so they all go on a on a trek across the desert. The dog follows them because he's attached to John Carter, and he, uh, they they realize that they're going to helium instead, uh, because Deja is tricking them, and that goes nowhere, because they just immediately go to the river. That was a weird thing that you didn't you didn't need that, but they're just like, look, just take me to the thing. I just want my cave of gold anyway. That's all he ever talks about is wanting his cave of gold. And so they make it to the river. He mentions that cave of gold so many times. It's He's like a leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? At the, at the time, the gold rush was huge. Like, everyone wanted gold. It was huge. Yeah, sure. So they get to the river, and they've, they go down this river, and they, go, they find the temple. Um, and in the temple, it's revealed that the spider is actually the solar system mapped out with the nine planets. I don't know why anybody didn't realize that a spider isn't supposed to have nine legs. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've entirely missed that plot point on both viewings. So I'll yeah, your word for it. <laughs> so, so the the spider is is actually the solar system, and and he coincidentally is on the space where Earth is supposed to be. And she goes, "Oh my God, you're John Carter of Earth, yay!" And then turns to the camera, <laughs> and she reads out that John is probably a copy of the person he is on Earth. So not re- not the real John Carter. His consciousness is in this copied body. Oh, see, I didn't get any of this until the very end when he like exposition dumps it. But... Yeah, that that's where that was first learned. He says, "Oh, oh so I'm okay. like a, I'm like a telegraph. I'm I, my consciousness was sent from my body on Earth to to here." And she's like, "Wait, I don't know what the rest is." Clearly lying. Uh, we yeah. need to go to helium so that I can learn there. And then there's a a battle between the these kind of like really like wild tharks that mm-hmm. uh mark strong six on them and he's like go go i'll be a hero because i'm just my name in the title and <laughs> well he gets and, some weird flashbacks at this point doesn't he yeah so he gets he kid? gets the he gets the flashbacks that explain why he doesn't care about anything and want to get attached is that his his family had died uh while he was at war it looks like uh, his wife and his wife and son, and not sure who killed him. Though I think in the books it's supposed to be the Apaches. Okay, yeah, it really wasn't clear. He just gets back and finds his blackened, burned house. Yes, um, his his family is dead, and he buries them, and he goes off yeah. looking for gold. Uh, and it's just again, he just wants to be left alone. And so he has these flashbacks of this moment, and he starts fighting, and the dog is fighting with him, and he gets overrun, and then Helium comes to save the day, and he gets captured for the fifteenth time. I think. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This film um, has some very overused themes. <laughs> yeah. Again, Andrew Santon was drunk with power. Mm-hmm. He was like, I can do whatever I want. He gets captured and realized that the Dominic West character had pretended to be nice because he's like, I was so worried about Deja Thoris. Oh my God, I would never live with myself. And Deja's not having any of it. And then they finally, re- they finally like, okay, fine, I'll marry you. And they go to helium where john carter is broken out by a character that i don't think was a character up until this point um some weird guy who looks like dominic west but is not oh god yeah this was really confusing it's james purifoy yes this, this... was super confusing this is a, ma- a major major problem i had with this film is that everybody looked the same yeah because <laughs> yeah. obviously all the fogs look the same because they're all just like these cgi green alieny things so yeah. i really struggled to des- differentiate between them and then they made the huge mistake of casting both james purifroy from rome and dominic west and they both look the same mm. so when james purifroy comes in like two thirds into the movie and is like hey i'm actually on your side guy i was like so Dominic West's not the villain? Yeah. yeah. And I was so confused. Yeah, same. This is the point, actually, when I did section, I was like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. This is the yeah. thing that broke me. Like, I, th- I thought it was a pretty fun, like, breakout sequence, though, where he's like, take me prisoner. Was, yeah. Take me prisoner. And he's like, what are you talking about? Are you okay? And he's like, okay, well, hold mm-hmm. on. Oh, no, I'm taking prisoner. I hear that you are incredibly dangerous. Take me hostage. What? The big reveal is that Deja Thoris is going to marry Dominic West, and then this is when John Carter gets captured by the Thern, Mark Strong. <laughs> oh my god, he got captured again. <laughs> Just in like 10 minutes. And uh, 
the th- so the third Mark Strong does an info dump of like, oh, I've been to Earth. You're from Virginia. I've always wanted to go there and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now just imagining Mark Strong on like a tour of the world. Not- you know, he's going to the Eiffel Tower. He's he's taking photos everywhere. Yeah. Big yeah. Ben. <laughs> so Mark Strong gives a whole info dump about who the, not really who the Therns are, but like we've, we're influencing Martian culture and we'll inf- we influence other cultures on, on different, on Earth and things like that. We're everywhere. Uh, and John Carter is like, oh, these are the real bad guys, and they're they're the ones manipulating Dominic West, uh, and they're the ones who gave him the blue light, the ninth ray, and they're like, we can't have Earthman do this. They're about to escape. They're they're about to take him away, just so they could go back to Earth when the dog saves the day. And a really fun first person bit actually of the dog running up the running up the, th- the stairs. Yeah, the dog is like Speedy Gonzalez. It has like super yeah. speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never thought of it like that. <laughs> andale, andale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, do- so the dog saves John Carter and the Thurn escapes and they're like, we need help. We need to, we need to do anything. And the, the Sola is there as well. And, uh, he, and she's like, we need to get, so we need to get an army. We need to get uh, Tars. We need the Tharks help. And so they go to uh, and she's like, Tharks don't fly because they got to go on the flying ship. But then they they do anyway. And actually, I think it's a really funny image when the Tharks look through the through the glass through the the spyglass and they see the dog just kind of like wee. Uh, and then they crash, and then John's captured again. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the eighth time in this movie, he's a captain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they realize that Tars has been overthrown by the by the the douchebag of the of the Tharks, and they put him. They want they're going to put him and Tars in the in the the arena with the white apes, and the white apes are the these big burly gorilla looking things. Um, this is where the movie just becomes gladiator. A mm-hmm. little bit, a little bit, yeah. A lot, uh, I would say. <laughs> and the the Tharks are really excited about this. They want to see some carnage. And Sola is like, oh my god, they're going to kill my dad. To where the other Thark, the other female Thark, who's not a good one, uh, is like, oh my god, they're your, your father? Oh no. And she gets somehow pushed into... No, it's not how so much. She's pushed into the into the thing where the white ape rips her apart. And I thought that was awesome. And then John beats the, the white apes and challenges the bad Thark to a challenge to be the leader of the Tharks and basically beheads him in one throw. It was so underwhelming. It was it like, was a little... someone challenged me. I was like, oh, great, we're going to have like a throw down. No, he yeah. just jumps down and immediately beheads him. Mm. Like, yeah. It was the same, really. Yeah. Uh, and so then, so then John Carter is not the leader of the Tharks. And so he goes to lead the Tharks to, to Helium, but Helium isn't, uh, there, no one's there. The wedding isn't at Helium. It's at the other place. So he's like, well, we got to go to the other place. And like, we're not flying. You're an idiot. So they're like, fine, I'll go alone. So then he goes to try and stop the wedding. And uh, he crashes the wedding. And then a battle ensues between the two warring races. And then the Tharks show up. And, and they're like, thank Isis that's over with. Because they were in all the flying ships. And I thought that was funny. So then a big fight happens. Uh, some comedy moments in the fight. I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of skip, skip along. Um, there was a lot of shape shifting in this part of the movie. And it only added to my confusion. Yeah, Mark Strong is trying to escape because he's the he's the bad guy, and so John Carter is trying to get the the the, the medallion that because you know he's still he's still trying to get the medallion. So that doesn't work out. But Mark Strong pieces out to the sequel, and John Carter is victorious, and he they all win, and all they live happily ever after, where John and Deja get married. What was the time frame of this movie? 
When he knelt down and proposed marriage to her, I was like, you <laughs> literally just met her. What? It's a, it's definitely a couple of days. Like, I get uh, that she's hot, but come on, man. He's It's it's true love. Is um, it? No, probably not. Well, so... <laughs> So they so they get so they get married and they and he becomes the king of Mars uh and she's or the prince of Mars and she's the princess of Mars and he takes the dog out for a midnight stroll throws away his amulet and gets ambushed by it's, it's, it's an instant like oh that's not going to go well for him that's no. gonna, that's going to be a problem in all of about 10 seconds yeah. and he gets ambushed by Mark Strong Maybe the worst line of dialogue in this entire film when he like looks onto the horizon, he throws his amulet away and he goes, John Carter of Earth, throws it away. John Carter of Mars yeah. sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. John Carter of Earth. And so he's ambushed by Mark Strong, and Mark Strong sends him back to Earth, where he's apparently been there for a couple of years. Uh, you get the implication that Earth moves faster than Mars, so, because Brian Cranston is now decomposed. Oh, was that Brian Cranston's body? Yes. Did not pick up on that at all. Yeah, because I guess that he'd been shot in the stomach and nobody had helped him, because yep. John Carter had just left. What a sad yeah. end for that character. <laughs> yeah, he just died, died by himself in a cave. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. And uh, nobody found him ever. Yeah, because I found his plotline entirely pointless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't say. Um, so yeah, so John Carter ends up uh, going on this quest because he f- he figures out the Therns have been to Earth before, so he's going to try and find other caves, see if he can find the medallion again, and it takes him about 10 years to figure out that he can't. Pretends that he does, ends up... Ki- ends up. Pre- I'm going to just say the reveal. He pretends to kill himself so that he can get the therns to his place and kill them so he can take the medallion and his body will be protected by his nephew who turns out to be edgar rice burroughs mm. uh the author of the books writing himself into the movie which is yeah wait sorry what <laughs> oh yeah yeah so ned is edgar edgar Wright burroughs oh, edgar rice burroughs it's That's like actually a character in the, in the Harry Potter films called J.K. Rowling. Like, oh, see, no. I will. I will. I will That's not. Like that time that I wrote you and me into an episode of this. Yeah. <laughs> what well, being Harry Chappell? <laughs> that was it. Yes. Uh, to be perfectly fair, the books are written as if Edgar Rice Burroughs is recounting the tale of John Carter's journals. Sure. Okay. So that's not completely without merit. So it's like a fictional autobiography yeah it's like you know sherlock holmes is written from the point of view of john watson writing in his books yeah but it's not written from the point of view of um what's his face he wrote sherlock holmes sir arthur conan doyle yeah 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 so it's the fictional edgar rice burroughs he's he's like i'm recounting john carter who is my uncle like um what's his face Uh, lemony snicket i guess lemony snicket that's a good that's a really good example okay yeah yeah that's a a good example but yeah sure it's a pen name but that's also the author but he's a character he's a pen name and a character within the books yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So uh, he kills the he kills the Thurn and goes up to Mars, and that's the end of the movie. So yeah, there you go. Well, listeners, I hope that made perfect sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real straightforward plot. I tell you what, Brandon, you did a fantastic you did job do a great of job, an incredibly yeah. convoluted yeah. film. <laughs> oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. 
You never found the medallion. No. That's why I'm so grateful to you for bringing me one. I... I was just bait. No. You're far more than that. I really do need a protector. That is, if you're willing. talk a little bit about the cast of this film yeah sure i think there's two major problems with this film for me one is just the storytelling and the direction i think it needed to be tighter and it needed to be clearer and i think it was hard to follow but i think the other main issue for me was that i don't think the cast was very good sure i think that it was potentially a great cast Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of people who were very good in different things that were all put in this and nobody was really trying that hard, I felt. What did you think of Taylor Kitsch as John Carter? Personally, I actually really like him. It's the only movie I, I like him in. Because I felt like this character, they're obviously going for like a Harrison Ford, you know, kind of, like an anti-hero. Well, no, no yeah. not anti-hero. Like, you know, he's a hero, but he's, he's like a... He's a rogue. He's a rogue, exactly. He's a, he's a, he's a you know, he can't be tamed. Mm. He's a... Yeah. And I feel like... <laughs> he's wild. He's weird, Exactly. <laughs> We talk a lot about on, the, on this podcast about like that X factor, that quality that makes someone really watchable and likable, and you're on the ride with them. You know, The Rock has it, Arnold Schwarzenegger has it, you know, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt absolutely has it, you know. Mm-hmm. James Corden has it. No, no. <laughs> Come on. If James Corden was playing John Carter, what would that look like? What would that be? Oh, that would. Uh... It'd be a very different film. Yeah. It's like when Jack Black almost was Green Lantern. No, Jack Black, actually, I would watch Jack Black in this movie. Oh, Jack Black in this would have been fantastic. That would work. Mm. Like, someone with, like, charisma. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing. For me, Taylor Kitsch doesn't have charisma. I just didn't find him enjoyable to watch, and I didn't find him to be engaging. And his voice that was this weird kind of... The Punisher meets, like, Nick Offerman from Parks and Recreation voice he was doing. (laughs) I just couldn't get on board with it at all. Mm. Like... When Harry was asking earlier, like, how did this movie cost so much? Because it doesn't look that great. Mm. But my thought was, like, there's no stars in this. Except that the budget doesn't account for any celebrities. Mm. And this mm-hmm. film needed a movie star for me. Yeah. It didn't have any movie stars in it. It had a bunch it, of TV actors. It needed to be like, oh, let's go and watch the new Will Smith film. Yeah. Like, sure. something like that could have sold this for me. Mm. It needed a movie star. And having watched this and Battleship in short order... Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't, you know, I, I hope, I'm sure he's a lovely man. And I'm sure his mum loves him and stuff. But Taylor Kitsch is not a movie star. I don't think he's a movie star. Yeah, I I, I don't think you're wrong. I I do think he's he he carries this movie well, but I think you're right about he does he's not he's not oozing charisma, and perhaps that's the thing yeah. that you needed to make this movie work, uh, at least for audiences. Like I said, for me, it, the movie works, but yeah, for sure. probably a general audience, you would need someone with a little bit more charisma. I can agree. I can understand that. There were multiple times when I was thinking, why am I supposed to be invested? Why am I supposed to care about what is happening in the, right now? And mm-hmm. it, it takes an actor that you just inherently like. Like Harrison, and obviously Harrison Ford's too old now, but if this has been a Harrison Ford movie in the 80s, it would have been like, yeah, 
hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I'd be on board because he can sell it. You know, he could sell snow to an Eskimo. And I felt like the rest of the cast as well. It was just everybody was quite bland. Like mm-hmm. the villain Dominic West was quite a bland villain. The lady, what was her name? Deja Thoris. Deja. I've never seen the actress in anything else. Like she wasn't bad, but she was just nobody was bad. Nobody was like, oh, you're distractingly poor at acting. It mm-hmm. was just everyone was just like not charming like yeah. if we if we compare it to star wars which i think it, obviously the comparison star wars is the thing that's ripped off a lot mm-hmm. like harrison ford carrie fisher mark Hamill. you know if, if this guy's the harrison ford character then she's the carrie fisher character mm-hmm. and she was so not carrie fisher you know you need someone who's gonna be sexy and funny yeah and her character was not that at all she was just you know the chick yeah am i being too harsh or no no a lot of my interest in this film just comes from i like adventure films like this and i don't think they make enough so any chance that we get an adventure film especially one with such a high budget and such a fantastical space opera like i just gravitate towards it because i'm not going to see one for another 15 years true mm. true true yeah cool any more points or fly uh, get to drinking games probably time to get oh. to drinking games right so the first one i've got is uh, drink another someone says the words basum helium or virginia yeah, I had that one too. Because <laughs> they yeah, all come I up had, a lot. <laughs> I had Virginia. Yeah. I figured I didn't want to, like, you know, say Barsoom, because I'm like, you know what? You're setting the tone. You, you, you got you to gotta familiarize the audience with these names. But, like, Virginia, you could probably cut out a couple of, mon- a couple of lines ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Virginia kind of loses its charm halfway through, because initially it's like it's kind of a bit of a joke that they're calling him virginia yeah um when that's not quite his real name but it just keeps on going and i don't develop it at any point yeah, yeah. like i thought they were going to shorten it to virgin and just have a bit of a joke there but they didn't yeah it just becomes his title after a while mm. Mm. which is weird given that the thing's not called virginia of mars no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hard to stop <laughs> although maybe more women would go see it if it was virgin of mars yeah vir- the virgin of mars virgins on mars that's the <laughs> <laughs> if that's not already a porno like, oh god <laughs> drink whenever someone says john carter of earth okay yes okay happens a lot because mm-hmm. there was a tons of there was tons of times where there's just like i'm john carter of earth you're john carter of earth uh, blah 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 it's <laughs> ridiculous <Yeah. laughs> uh well yeah i just to complete this little trilogy my first one is drink every time the red bitch says the word helium it really did annoy me. Like, I like you call her the red bitch. I can't remember her name. I don't care. Is this the main female character? The main female character. I'm okay. sorry. Yeah. Cool, cool. Deja Thoris. You can keep saying it. It's not going to stick. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, my next one is drink when everybody speaks in place of the red bitch. Like, just speaks for her, essentially. Oh, okay. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Happens a lot. I There's a lot that, of times yeah. where people are just, well, yeah, speaking for her. And I don't yeah. need to say that again, but carry on. <laughs> drink whenever uh, John Carter is captured. Yeah, solid. Uh, we've established yeah. that he spends a lot of time <laughs> as a prisoner for various people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had drink every time he jumps, and double drink every time he catches the red bitch. Ah, uh, yeah, I do. Also have, uh, as I mentioned, drink whenever she gets caught. Yeah, by anybody. Um, I've also got uh, drink whenever everybody cuts a bind or a chain instead of just undoing it. <laughs> Like, it happens a lot. I mean, they must get through a lot of rope. Yeah, do they ever actually yeah, untie like, un- anything? Undo a nut. Yeah. <laughs> Drink every time there's a massacre. Like, sure. the body count in this film mm-hmm. is high. It is high, isn't it? He kills so many people. Mm-hmm. Like, he kill- He must kill so many of the fogs. Like, you know, in that point when he just, like, jumps into them and, like, kills them all. And it's like, and then two scenes later, they're like, you are our leader, we love you. It's like, 
some of them are like widows, they're mm-hmm. orphans because of this guy. Like, you know, I mean, he kills a lot of people. Yeah. The body count is very high in this film. Yeah, in fact, there is a point near the start where, like, he gets captured mm-hmm. or something. I didn't narrow it down. Um, <laughs> when, it, when when he's just been there delivered with all the babies or something. Yes. And then he punches somebody, they fly towards a rock, bang their head, and they're dead. Oh, yeah. And he's like, you killed him with one blow. Yeah, and they're like, wait! Yeah. I don't think the Fargs value life very No, highly. not at all. Yeah. Okay, and then the final one I've got is uh, drink whenever he makes a horse or a horse-like creature run away because he thinks it doesn't need it anymore. Okay. <laughs> so many times he's in a chase scene yeah. and he then gets off his horse, slaps it on the behind so it just runs off into the distance uh-huh. because he thinks he doesn't need the horse anymore. It always works out. But then he also needs the horse in a future scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, he doesn't know that he's not going to need it later. Like, you're being traced by people trying to kill you. Why are you sending your horse away? <laughs> Nobody ever follows the horse mistakenly or anything. Sure. It's just odd. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I had drink for... Well, I've put it down as drink for Star Wars references, or maybe it's drink for things that appear to be Star Wars references, now that mm. I understand that this film, on some level, came first. But it, well, anything that reminds you of Star Wars. Drink for any kind of scene that reminds you directly of a Star Wars scene. There is literally a bit when John Carter jumps into the action and shouts, It's a trap! <laughs> Which I was like, oh wow. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's also a lot of use of Wilhelm scream. There is. Well, like, that's yeah. so Star Wars' thing. You can't have that. Right? It's not at all Star Wars. Well, it's thing. a lot of people's, but Star Wars in particular uses it a lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Star Wars has retired the Wilhelm scream. Really? Well, I think most people should. It's too much of a cliche now. Have, have they? Was it not in The Last Jedi? Nope, it wasn't in Rogue One or The Last Jedi. Oh, it was in The Force Awakens, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, that was the last Star Wars movie to use it. Uh, I wouldn't put it past them to, to throw it in again. Yeah. No, they have a. They, they were talking about it. They have a new scream that they've recorded that, that they want to be a staple of Star Wars from now on. That's not going to happen. Nope. You, 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 can't, you, can't, you can't just claim your own scream. No one can invent the Wilhelm scream. No, yeah. It's, that's, that's not how those things work. <laughs> I'm sorry. It actually it has, my favorite, it has my favorite joke in uh, Ratchet and Clank, the, the movie, when one of those characters falls off a ledge and he does the Wilhelm scream and someone just reaches over and goes, Wilhelm! <laughs> <laughs> nice. It, it, um, is, it is actually how they're going to write out Carrie Fisher in the next Star Wars movie. It's just off screen. There's going to be a Wilhelm scream. And it's like, it's like, Stay away from that ledge, Leia. And then, ah, and then Start if not Wilhelm Ledge. Yeah. Anyway, my fi- my final drinking game is drink every time you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, that's fair. So how, did, how did that go if you watching it twice? I, I knew. Well, my my liver packed in. Yeah. Yeah. Were you doing this or? John, yeah, John's currently uh, skyping in from hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> soon a world on the brink. For Zadenga's new power threatens to destroy our city of Helium. And if Helium falls, so does Barsoom. <laughs> Rubbish. Cool, okay. So before we get to some sequels, uh, Brandon, mm-hmm. are you aware that me and John are on Patreon? Yes. Yeah, you are? Oh, cool, okay. Well, um... Let me tell the listeners just in case. So me and John are on patreon.com slash set. If you've enjoyed this this episode or any episode before, then please consider donating a little bit of money to us just to help us keep this all going. Um, if you do, then you get a few bonus features. No matter how much you donate, because it's all the same, that's just the way we do it. Pay as you feel, system. Yeah. Pay as you feel. Um, if you think we're worth a lot, pay a lot. If you think we're not, then don't pay so much, but do pay. Uh, <laughs> as long as you pay. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you do... Um, you'll get a bonus show called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review films that are in cinema right now. Um, and also, we uh, every year we review the Oscar nominees as well. That's mm-hmm. always good fun. Yeah. Or sometimes not, depending on the film. But yeah. uh, we, we always make fun of it. 
And also, if you become a patron once a month, a Patreon will get to pick a film for us to do on the main show. Mm-hmm. What was the last one we did? Uh, we Clues, had, wasn't it? We had, yeah, we, yeah, Hulu came on. Yeah, that was it. Clue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was a really good time. That was fun, yeah. yeah. Our Patreons have good taste. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you can pick any film you like and we'll do it on the show. If it's a film that has sequels or anything, we'll do it on a bonus show. And, of course, you're very welcome to guest on it. Um, and also, uh, once a month, Yes, once a month, um, every patron will get a 30-second slot on the main show to advertise themselves. They can advertise whatever they want. So, Brandon, this is a time where we kind of give it to our guests. Would you like to talk about your show for for, for 30 seconds? Oh, sure. Tell us what um, it's all about. So, my show that's currently now on the Pave Media Network mm-hmm. uh, is called Fake Nerd Podcast. We touch on all things within the geek sphere, things like movies or comic books or TV shows, anything that's genre-specific or just kind of that we're interested in. Like this week, by the time we're recording this, it'll probably by the time this comes out, it'll probably be out, uh, but we're uh, reviewing Us, Jordan Peele's new film. Oh, great. Me and John are going to go and see that in about an hour from now. That's going to be great. Very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're reviewing that one. We haven't recorded that one yet. And... We touch. We have a segment called the Book Club, a fake nerd book club, where we talk about a comic book every week. Um, that's brought to one of a, one of the co-hosts, but me and my four other friends: Ryan uh, Iliopoulos, Ben Magnet, and Sparks. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. We're basically just a, a, a variety show, which just gets to talk about whatever we want. My goal was to create a podcast that would replicate the experience you would have going into a comic book store and talking with the people behind the counter. Because I used to work at a comic book store. Oh, really? Yeah. I worked there for about four years, and leaving it, I had this kind of hole in my life. I was like, I really miss doing this. Uh, So I I decided to uh, just do that and have it with my friends. And we try to bring a positive take to a lot of things in geek culture because a lot of it can be steeped in a lot of negativity. So we try Mm. to be as positive as, as we can. Look, I'm sorry I didn't like this film. I tried. I watched it twice. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty pretty much it. Um, I also have another show that's not on paid media, but that's Mythelaneous, and you can check that one out as well. So uh, where can people find your shows? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Fake Nerd Podcast. Uh, On iTunes, just type in Fake Nerd Podcast. There you go. We do have a Patreon as well, um, and we have some merchandise on TeePublic. Or the Pave Media Network. Ah, great, yeah. So, um, also, you can go to pavemedia.net slash fakenerdpodcast, and it's all there. Yeah. Everything. So, yeah, we're really excited to be partnered up with Pave. Yeah, we'll put links in our description. Right, so, let's get some sequels. Great. I should say, I'm looking at your uh, your Patreon right now, and it's quite funny. Oh, thank you. Which bit's funny? Your tears are hilarious. Oh, yeah. Ah, I had fun writing them. Yeah, I like, I like your, uh, your, your $15,000... We will not refund this. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. People might do that. And, yeah. you know, maybe they want to do it. Also, maybe they don't want to do it. But either way, we get the money and yeah. we get to keep the money. <laughs> so that would be nice. Anyway. Um, didn't mean to derail. Didn't mean yeah, to derail. No, it's fine. But just like next time you feel a bit, uh, I don't know, like you're, you're, you're going to make some mistakes with purchasing, just make some mistakes to people who will who will enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. you know, patreon.com slash beyond the box. Actually, that's never a mistake. It's never a it's mistake. Pure it's pure gold uh, there. You, you get your money's worth. Two dollars <laughs> a month. Yeah. Or 15,000. Aim high, John. Aim okay, high. Aim whatever, high. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, sequels. Um, I'll go first, if I may. Go ahead. So mine's mm-hmm. called John Carter the Second. John Carter the Second. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a sequel set directly after the film finishes. Okay. So John Carter, he returns to Mars all those years later. You know, mm-hmm. he's from Spy Kids. 
place, I don't know, the funeral yeah. place, whatever. Um, so he's taken the Farg's med- medallion at the, from the end of the beginning yeah, yeah. and used it to return the to The Fern's medallion, the ferns, please. The medallion, sorry, yeah. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Farg's, oh my god. Um, and he finds himself in a desert in the outskirts of, of the city. Um, is the city called Helium? Is that what's going on? Helium is yes. Red Bitch's city, yeah. Great, okay. And uh, yeah, so he's back on all fours because he's forgotten how to walk and so we get a repeat of that scene, essentially. Okay, sure. And he makes his way towards the centre of the city, hoping to find uh, the Red Bitch there. I'm just, that's catching I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm using that. <laughs> so he gets to the doors of what looks like a palace, which, okay. he, which he knocks on, and he gets welcomed by a, a Martian butler. Okay. Um, one, of the, one of the green creatures. Um, and he says, oh, your majesty, I thought you were already here. And he's like, uh, uh, no, um, is, is the red bitch here? Uh, yes, I believe she's having dinner unless she's with you. And he's like, no, she's not with me. Can you just take me to her, please? Mm-hmm. And so the butler takes him in and escorts him to the dining room. And when she sees him, she freaks out a little, which uh, is a bit confusing. And he says, uh, Red Bitch, it's me. I've returned. I've just replaced... I've, I've got her name here, I do, but I've just replaced it to Red Bitch. Sure. Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he walks in further into the room and we see that uh, sitting at the opposite end of the table is himself. Oh, okay. Like a doppelganger. Pretty much, Yeah. Um, and so this other John, he, uh, he he stands up and shouts, Who is this imposter? And uh, the standard John replies, I'm John Carter, who are you? And he's like, well, I'm John Carter, King of Mars. Guards! Guards! And uh, the guards rush in. He says, he look at this imposter at once. This is probably one of those shapeshifters here trying to kill me. And so standard John, which is what I'm going to call him from now on, standard John gets handcuffed and locked up. He has to get locked up. Sure, of course. In this film. It's got to get captured. Got to get captured. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then from here, he goes on a, uh, you know, a, a Thor Ragnarok slash Tron Legacy slash Attack of the Clones slash Aquaman slash John Carter kind of journey okay. where he gets thrown into some kind of an arena and uh, two sex machined to safety by a new character on the field. Happens in all those films. Yeah. Um, I guess <laughs> this one did it first. Sure, yeah. In writing. Yeah, so this is going to be a new character a female character of some kind who's going to be absolutely in love with John Carter after a while. Okay. I've not cast anybody so or, or names Mar- on names this person. or a fern or a fog or a human? Or... You know, I don't know any of those terms other than human. She's she's human-looking. So is she also a human who's somehow so... ended up on Mars? No, I'd say that she's one of the natives. But... Okay. So is she a red Martian, a black Martian, a white Martian, a yellow Martian, or a blue Martian? Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> she's one of the ones that looks like a human. So she's a red Martian. Okay. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and so they escape from the city and have a bit of an adventure, mm-hmm. um, which leads them to the home of the uh, Mark Strong people. Okay, um, the Ferns. The, yeah. the, the Ferns, yeah. Ferns, Ferns? The Ferns. T H E R N S. Not Ferns as in like large plants. Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, so these guys who used to think that they were immortal, pretty much, um, they're now a refugee community okay. because uh, King John has uh, invented guns on Mars, which okay. obviously they are susceptible to. Okay. They already had guns on Mars. Did they? Oh, for God's sake. The, th- the Tharks use uh, projectile weapons. Well, how come Mark Strong was impervious to all that stuff on Mars, but not on Earth? Well, he's, he was never shot on, Earth, on, on Mars. What do I do yeah, with he, this? He was... Okay, well, they... You okay. can keep... Okay, well, well. So, they, they, they were very powerful back in the day, but now that King John is in power... He's essentially overthrown them a little okay. bit, and so now they're no longer the most powerful beings, even slightly. Okay. I'm enjoying all of this King John stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Big ego boost for me. Well, it's getting to the end of that, and it's all going to be standard John from now on. Oh, fine. Yeah. 
So then, uh, less than standard John walks into the village. <laughs> Sorry. Less than standard. <laughs> um, with his hands held above his head, um, saying he's unarmed, but, but this is the village of, like, Mark Strong people. Okay, sure. They're pretty much refugees now. Okay. Saying he's unarmed and he's not who they think he is and he comes in peace. Mm-hmm. Mark Strong comes out and uh, we see that he's heavily scarred, like, all over, and uh, John asks what happened to him. He says, you did this. Or rather, the other you did this. Because Mark Strong, he's pretty smart. He knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. We get a flashback. Okay. This flashback with narration from Mark Strong to the moment that John was transported back to Earth at the end of the first film. Sure. And it turns out that that device doesn't just teleport humans. Well, it doesn't teleport humans. It actually duplicates them. Okay. So in that moment when John got sent back to Earth, he never actually left Mars. Okay. Like, just a new version of him was created on Earth with all his memories. That can't have been Mark Strong's intention, though, right? Pardon? Mark Strong was the one who sent him back. Yeah, Mark Strong didn't realise that until yes, this, so until, until backfired, this moment. The plan backfired yes, on him. Okay, yes. Fine. So, uh, yeah, then John Carter is still remaining on Mars. He fights Mark Strong and scars him or whatever and eventually becomes king. Okay. Yeah, so this means that uh, this version of Standard John, now in present day, cannot return to Earth and uh, also cannot be with uh, the Red Bitch because she's already got her king. Okay. Which oh, is so she's, he's got he's got no reason to be there anymore. Pretty much, okay. but like he can't get back to Earth. Okay. And he can't be king here. He can't, he can't be with who he wants to be. So, it's a bit unfortunate. He decides to challenge King John for the throne. Okay. So he's facing a doppelganger of himself. Yes. Yeah, so he goes. So he goes back to the back to the arena, and uh, they have a nice big fight. That would make sense because this whole film was people who look like each other fighting. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's I guess Taylor Kitsch playing two people at this point. Great. And, uh, yeah, it's a very, very public battle in which one John beats the other, but by the end of the battle, both Johns look identical because they're both just heavily injured, covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And so when one of them actually kills the other, we never find out which John wins. Oh, okay. And that's pretty oh. much the end. Wow. You okay. could have some post-credit scenes, mm-hmm. which are the other Johns from various different moments, both of whom are on Earth. Uh, there's the first one who is just sitting back in his tomb with, you know, Spy Kid outside. Sure, yeah. He thinks that he's just, he's, he's gone to Mars or something, but nothing's actually happened. Mm. And so he's like, oh shit, now I'm just stuck in this tomb. What do I do? And then there's a whole thing there. I don't know, maybe he starts saying random locations into this device and just duplicating himself all over the place. I don't know. <laughs> and then there's also the, uh, the the John from the start of the movie in the cave. Mm-hmm. And this guy gets taken by the, what, what were the people that were chasing him? Uh, Apaches? The Apaches? Oh, the Apaches. Yeah, yeah. He, so he, he gets taken by the Apaches. And uh, there's a whole little thing there with a Pocahontas-style story where he falls in love with a local and okay. stuff. And this. And what happens to Brian Cranston is terrible wig. Oh, Brian Cranston, he, he just gets left in a cave and dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Poor Brian Cranston. Poor Brian Cranston. Can't like, catch a break in this movie. No. Okay. Brian Cranston cool. loves getting shot in the stomach and things. Seems to me. Seems to me. That's his thing. Yeah. So that's that. That's um, John Carter II. John Carter. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Works okay. Cool. Over to you. Okay. Uh, let's see. So, I'm not great at this sort of thing. So I kind of went to the source material to see what I can what I can do. Mm-hmm. It, Andrew Stanton initially uh, intended it to be a trilogy. Uh, the sequel was going to be called Gods of Mars, and the second one, and the third one was going to be called Warlord of Mars, which are the the titles of the second and third books. Oh, okay. They sound a lot more intense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the first book is actually called Princess of Mars, but they changed the. The, the movie called John Carter of Mars. Mm-hmm. So again, where we leave where we leave off, uh, he's going back to Barsoom, uh, but Deja is uh, is um, 
upset that he is he had he she feels that he had left because uh, Mark Strong pretended to be uh, that that same soldier that sent him away and said mm-hmm. uh, King John's left left you he went he went back to his cave of gold. Uh. So she feels betrayed by him, and so when he sees her, uh, she's like, how dare you leave me, and blah, blah, blah. Maybe she's pregnant. I don't know. You could have something like that. Maybe she has a kid. Oh, I like that. Yeah, like, she, you know, half half Martian, half man kid. Um, would he be able to jump the same, or would he be able to jump just, like, a little bit? Or like a baby Probably like half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that, 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 that I'd like to see where she's essentially got to raise Superman as a, yeah. as a, as a child. A little, toddler, a little toddler, a super strong toddler that can jump as high as a, like, toddler. Yeah. As high as a tall we, we'd meet, we'd They'd meet halfway. The, the, he could jump, but not quite as high. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he can he, he, he can punch, but not quite as hard, but still yeah. pretty hard for a toddler. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the therns are actually, in the books, called white Martians. They are Mar- they are uh, a Martian race who pretended to be priests to perpetuate this myth of the of the goddess Isis who herself is actually a, a just a very old black Martian and not a god. I'm going to take all that away cuz that's dumb. Um <laughs> I like it. And say that Is- Isis is actually a god and the Therns are not Martians. They're maybe Venusians or something, but they're they're not of Mars. They're larger intergalactic beings who are trying to manipulate other civilizations within the solar system to which there are some in my version mm-hmm. i also figure that you could do something with take some an element of the plot from the books which was the the blue light is actually how mars has atmosphere it's not a weapon i was gonna um, bring that up yeah so i mean we didn't know that mars didn't have atmosphere in 1890 mm. so the blue light is actually supposed to be converted into a gas which gives mars its atmosphere i think that maybe you could do something with that how there's an atmosphere sort shortage and people are starting to die because mars's atmosphere is collapsed collapsing because the because the blue light isn't working and so john has to save the day because he doesn't want to see his uh his 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 newly found people uh die and so it's a journey of him now back he's trying to make amends for leaving for so long and there's been there, obviously he was gone for a decade on earth so you know there was some time differences on mars but not quite as vast but he has been gone for quite some time so a lot of people are very upset with him and he's trying to prove himself to be the king of mars and mm-hmm. uh would eventually become the warlord of mars i also think that you could do something this isn't this is a different uh this is a different story where you could probably have him meet tarzan Okay. Well, how, does meets Tarzan? how does that work? Because they're written by the same guy. Oh, they're no, written no. by the same. I got, I got, so, I got that, but where's the time? So Tarzan this is what, this would be a different story, and you would have it be him back on Earth. With him back on Earth, he's mm-hmm. trying to find the Thern amulet. He's find, trying to, and so his journey leads him to Tarzan, where Tarzan is. And I think that'd be kind of a cool one. And I'm going to wipe, uh, wipe away any time discrepancies because Tarzan has recently met the Planet of the Apes, and that doesn't make any sense either. So, <laughs> screw it. I like it. Yeah. So that would be a, that would be a fun little thing because you could dive into the similarities of these two characters, but also diving into what the char- uh, how different the characters are. Obviously, they're both called white apes, so you could play something with that. And then uh, there's another story that's derivative of. John Carter, that I would actually like to see reincorporated as a John Carter story. Mark Millar, who's a Scottish comic book writer, wrote a book called Starlight, 
which mm-hmm. is basically about a John Carter-esque character coming back to Earth and living out the rest of his life being seen as a crazy guy because he's uh, talking about going on to the stars. And he's like, I was a space adventurer. And you're like, you're all, you're insane. So now as an old man, the stars come to him and like, we need your help to save the day again and go off. And I think that you could do something really cool with John Carter on that, especially like now you bring back Taylor Kitsch, you know, have kind of like a, a middle-aged Taylor Kitsch coming back and being like, I need to go save Mars again and something like something like that. I don't know. Those are just kind of the ideas I had. I like Taylor Kitsch as just a crazy person that nobody believes. Yeah. Yeah, right. A middle-aged that. Taylor Kitsch mm. just ranting and raving. Mm-hmm. I used to be a movie star. Yeah. I was going to be the next Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> My season of True Detective wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that that'd be really good. I like that. Thank yeah, you. I that was very good. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so I, I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I really struggled to follow this movie. So sequel wise, it was it was a struggle. So I come with a couple of small ideas rather than one large one, just kind of just based on what I could glean from this film. So my first one is uh, called John Carter, a Pixar movie. Ooh. Okay, because. So this is the first answer date only live action movie directed by Andrew Stanton. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder, maybe the problem with this movie is that if he'd done it as a full on animation in the style of Pixar, maybe he would have done a better job. So I was thinking, rather than, rather than having it just as a CGI, why don't I have this film just be a, a Pixar movie? Mm-hmm. Just have it be a free, a, you know, a, a computer animated Pixar film. So same story, but it's animated. I did wonder... If it's a Pixar movie, it has to have like a horribly sad like subplot somewhere along the line, like some kind of yes, tear-jerking moment. Everybody's parents are dead. Yeah, well, how can we, <laughs> how can we make this super sad? Um, all those babies they die. All the babies die. Wow, that's yeah. that's harsh even for Pixar. Yeah, well they they go to the next level each time. Mm. So, what's the lesson there? Uh, don't let your babies die. Uh, so, I mean, strong lesson, Harry. Strong. <laughs> it's, that, that's a lesson the world needs. Right yeah, now. yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe like he doesn't find love at the end, but that's all right. Mm. Like he's sad about it, but that's all right. Yeah, not not everyone he's, does. He's sad about yeah. it, but he moved on. Yeah, yeah, that could work. Cool. Okay. So it's basically that. My first idea was basically remake the film, but make it a Pixar film, and make it make more sense. Idea number two. I like it as a Pixar film, or even maybe something like Treasure Planet. Yes. Yeah, that was the vibe I was getting, yeah. Mm, that, Definitely, yeah. That could work really well. 100%, yeah. This film had no soundtrack. Yeah, why didn't it? I think it actually has a good soundtrack, but done by uh, uh, Michael Giacchino. The sc- it has a score, but no soundtrack, which is a choice. Oh, you mean you don't you want, like, songs? There were no like, songs uh, in this film. Oh, uh, that's... Uh, are you saying, I don't know if that you saying make it like Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, not necessarily like that, but I just I, I really noticed that there were no songs. Like I don't know, there were how moments... many how, how many classic eighteen nineties pop hits do you know? Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not saying there should have been. I was just like, I just found it interesting that this film chose to have no songs. Like you'd think, yeah. You know. I think they were going for a more Star Wars thing, and Star Wars yeah. isn't really like uh, not ta- no because sometimes that takes you out. I find that pop songs in fantasy films take you out of the fantasy a little bit sometimes. okay John I'll bite sure. what songs would you want in this film no I don't know I don't have an answer for you I was just like you don't well maybe bag it up by Jerry Halliwell or something I don't know okay yeah. girls are from Venus and men are from Mars <laughs> something like that yeah. um, I don't have an answer I was just I was just genuinely making an observation that okay. this film has new songs uh, so my second idea mm. is called John Carter Must Die oh 
Oh, um, that, that reminds me of something. Is that from something? It's there's a film called John, John Tucker Must John Die. John Tucker Must yeah. Die, which also had Taylor Kitsch. Did it? That's why okay. I it brought it came to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking there's this whole bizarre subplot in the original film about John Carter having a wife who dies for mm-hmm. unclear reasons. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, since the end of the film establishes that John Carter fakes his own death to get back to Mars, <laughs> what if his wife also? Faked her own death mm. and went to Mars. Oh, plot twist. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it turned out she faked her own death and went to Mars many years ago. Mm. So she's been like, I don't know, doing her own thing on Mars. I don't know where she ended up. Mm-hmm. But she maybe she got kidnapped by some alien race, maybe the far, the Fogs or the Ferns or the whatever. Yeah. The Red Martians. And she eventually makes her way to the helium planet. And she fig- finds city. out... To si- the city. The <laughs> yeah. helium city, sorry. <clears throat> she gets there... And she realizes, she finds out that her former husband has uh, buried her alive back on Earth. Right. You know, he buried her. We don't have to get that flashback. But was she alive? Well, she was dead. As far as he knew, she was dead, but he still buried her. Okay. Because, you know, the whole, they say, like, that's the reason he locks himself in the tomb. Oh. Is that he's like, you can't touch the body because the body on Earth is related to the body in Mar- on Mars. God. If you kill, if you, if you if, die if you on kill Mar- the body Earth, on Earth. Yeah, yeah. So he's buried her. Mm-hmm. So, so he fi- she finds her ex-husband, or mm-hmm. her current husband as far as she's concerned, mm-hmm. they're not divorced, and discovers that not only has he buried her, which is not a good thing, mm-hmm. but also he, she, he's shacked up with some Martian sluts. So, you know, <laughs> she's fucking pissed you off. You are not kind to Deja Thoris. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like be sexist or anything, the character was annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the wife vows revenge. Okay, where did that lead? I don't know. Um, maybe she sh- maybe she kind of hooks up with Brian Cranston who also faked his own death to get into this world and maybe it's her and Brian Cranston I was thinking surely there's some kind of a there's got to be some kind of an action film where like I don't know Brad Pitt's got with someone and Angelina Jolie's not happy about it so she goes on a killing spree or something that, that, isn't that Mr. and Mrs. Smith that's what I'm thinking yeah. that's, the, that's a similar plot to Mr. and Mrs. Smith but mm, it's not not entirely yeah. that's, that, that's the kind of the vibe I'm going for mm-hmm. but anyway yeah so I just thought it would be like a whole revenge thriller with her. What's like it called? Like Martians Be Crazy? No, it's called John, Car- John, what's it called? John, John Carter Must Die. Okay. Yeah. You, you call it John Carter of Earth. Yeah, John Carter of Earth, yeah. Mm. There's options. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was basically that. It was just like the wife gets is also on Mars and gets revenge. Mm-hmm. And my final pitch is... Martian Bitches Be Crazy. That's what Martian I was going for. Be there, crazy, there it is, sure, yeah. yeah. Mm. Great, progressive. Yeah. <laughs> And my last one is called uh, John Carter Behind the Bomb. Okay. And this is a mockumentary, a Christopher Guest-style mockumentary Mm. in the style of... So Christopher Guest did Spinal Tap and uh, Best in Show. He he does a lot of, like, comedy mockumentaries. He did one about a film that gets Oscar buzz. Um, I forget what it's called now. For your your consideration. Okay. It's a film about, like, the Oscar season Mm. and about, like, characters doing this, like, tiny little indie movie who realise that their movie's getting some Oscar buzz and then they all go crazy thinking they're all going to win Oscars. Mm. And it's it's, it's a very funny film. Anyway, so I was thinking it'd be something like that. It's like a mockumentary style. It's about an actor in, like, a low-rent but popular TV series, like, True Blood style thing. Mm -hmm. Like, this kind of very very hot but not particularly talented actor Mm -hmm. who gets he's like a tv star yeah he is on my shit list oh yeah <laughs> taylor kitsch after this film and battleship is on my shit list mm-hmm. i just don't find him to be a very good actor um so this, this battleship is not a good movie i'll give you thank that. you yes i'll tell you what i've got another film of his on my list please no I've it's got coming enough. no you'll like it really 
How many did you get to make before people realised you couldn't act? I don't know. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> already dreading it. He was in X. He was in X Men Origins Wolverine. I know he's in yeah. X Men. Doesn't the red bitch play his girlfriend in that as well? I think so. Really? Yeah. Isn't she in like? I'm sure she is in an X Men movie. I don't know. Like he, he's not a major part in mm. that X Men film. I'm sure she is a character. It's like she's had two notable films, and that was one of them. Okay. Anyway, so this film is about like a TV star actor, a TV actor who's you know a generic Hollywood honk who somehow gets voted onto some magazine list of like future A-list, the A-list stars of tomorrow, like the Variety or something. The Hollywood Reports were the Variety like list of the actors who are going to be big stars of tomorrow. And he's at the top of this list somehow. And he starts believing his own hype and he gets cast in the lead role in a mega budget action movie blockbuster directed by an egomaniacal director who's never directed a live action movie before. So basically it's a behind the scenes of this movie. Uh, uh-huh. so it's going to be about how this movie got made and how it fell apart so I think it'd be really funny to like have all the actors making fun of themselves Yeah. so you could have Taylor Kitsch in it making fun of himself as this kind of Hollywood himbo who can't really act but gets stuck in this big role with ridiculous weeks and stuff you could have Willem Dafoe as like an Oscar winning serious actor who's like playing this like bug creature <laughs> you could have um, this bug creature bug creature yeah cool cool no, just don't have this idea. I mean as a serious Oscar winner he plays all kinds of shit oh, he does. these days. Yeah. Have you seen Aquaman? For the last time? No! <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, I've not seen Aquaman. You should, you should watch it. You know what? After this podcast, let's just watch fucking Aquaman so we can just freaking get out of the way. Anyway, uh, you could have Karen Hines and James Purifoy, the Roman actors. Mm. The Roman actors. They could be like serious like stage actors from Britain who don't understand a thing that's going on in this movie. Yep. And yeah, I just feel like it'd be a fun, like, behind-the-scenes version of this film. Like, you know, when you see it all go into shit, you see the director not understanding how to direct a live-action movie, and then you see the reviews coming out, and I just, I just think it'd be, really, it'd be a really fun, like, Christopher Guest-style mockumentary. I think that could really work really well. It would be fun. I'd, I'd actually really like to see that. Yeah, I thought it'd be good. So those are my three ideas, anyway. Oh, that's very good, John Walden. Thank you. Real quickly, uh, if you guys want to watch another John Carter film... Check out Princess of Mars by The Asylum. You know, Brandon, to be, to be completely honest, <laughs> Give I, us think, some time. I think we've had our fill for the moment. <laughs> we'll no, the, Asi- the Asylum makes really bad, low-budget films, oh, okay. and I was surprised to see that they, did, they tried to do a John Carter movie. I'm curious to see how that turned out. Oh. Give us a few months and we might revisit it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, also, you mentioned uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen uh, yes. actually does. John Carter does appear in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, he does? Yeah, in the, in the second volume of the comic. Oh, but not in the film. Not in the film, no. I just looked that up. Oh, cool. Anyway, just a little fun snippets. No, that's that's interesting. Very good. Uh, should we get some listener submissions, Sorry. Yeah, sure, let's do it. I'm curious to see what... I, I saw I saw one of them uh, said, Disney doesn't own the rights, and I was like, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've, got, I've got a few here, not, not, not many. Uh, firstly, I've got uh, Jesus Zepeda, I believe his name is. I always mispronounce. It might be Jesus. I don't know how to pronounce that word. <laughs> it might be Jesus. It's more likely to be Jesus. Oh, I don't know. It's the same spelling. Is it our Lord and Savior, or is it just some guy on the internet? It could be both. Okay, sure. Who has just sent me the uh, the, the gif of Homer Simpson shouting "nerd" out of a car? Great. Um, okay. So, so great. 
Yeah. Um, Dan Pratt says, how about a drunk card sequel, pr- uh, prequel spin-off where the princess dresses like she does in the uh, Dynamite comics? Um, John, there's an image for you. Oh, great. Yeah, it's, okay, so it's I'm real, looking at a uh, picture of a naked lady with absurdly large breasts. Um, there, was a, there was a customer at the store I used to work at who would only get John Carter comics. We would only order one copy of these books every single time they would come out. And uh, those Days of Thoris covers are quite interesting as a word I would use. <laughs> so are we, have we basically spent the last two hours reviewing a movie that's basically based on a softcore porn? Is that what's happening here? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> okay, so Paul Spooner says John Carter 2 into the Carterverse. Into the Carterverse. That's, nice. be- that's become one of the new things now, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, new, new, new yeah. titles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were trying to do a Batman Beyond uh, into mm. the Batman verse for Did a little they? while. Did they? I mean, it, it was Ugh. kind of. It was like Warner Brothers accidentally leaked something and then they were like, this isn't happening, but everyone was kind of like, no, but we'd watch it. Actually, thinking about it, to be honest, okay, it's kind of. It, it's a what if scenario, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, really. And you know what? I'm totally all for what if scenarios with superheroes. Spider-Man worked really well. There's no reason Batman can't do it either. But calling it into the Batman verse or the Batverse or whatever, bit that's, too it's a bit close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a bit dumb, yeah. yeah. So anyway, John Carter 2 into the Carterverse. Uh, John is teleported away by a mysterious um, omnipotent being to team up with all the Carters in the multiverse, including Coach Carter, Agent Carter. Oh, God. Sylvester Stallone's character from Get Carter, <laughs> and the actress Helena Bonham Carter. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, together, they must band together, put aside their differences, and save all of existence. I, lo- I love I mean, it. that's nice. Yeah, yeah that, that works really that well. It's workable. And the, the, the other one I've got, um, it's the last one I've got, uh, Dante Pineau, obviously, um, says, John Carter, legacy. Okay. So we see, we see John Carter, the great, 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 however many greats it takes to make it just slightly in the future, grandson of the original John Carter, in the ruins of what used to be the Martian throne room. We discover that after original John Carter died, there was a civil war over whether the Martians should allow alien peoples to intermingle with them. And the civil war destroyed everything. Explorers from Earth visit Mars and discover a Mad Max-style Mars and have to help new John Carter restore peace and order and help redefine Martian culture and society to make a new place where the people of Earth and Mars may mingle in peace. Nice. Very you know, nice. I like that. That's, that's that, that feels like yeah. a very decent sequel to this. That, that seems reasonable. Mm. Uh, yeah, that seems yeah you can pull that off. Yeah, that's what we got. What you got, John? Okay, I have a few as well. Uh, Andrew Russo said, Get John Carter. As in Get Carter, Get John Carter. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Classic film. Yep, okay. Mike Carey said, John Carter joins the spiders from Mars. David Barry yes, there. yes. Andrew Leafing said, John Carter and the bassoons of Bassoon. It's a musical. <laughs> <laughs> Christiana Manzano said, John Carter and the tiresome narrative of the white man who did nothing to earn his power. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> he didn't earn it, he just had it handed to him. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Cop said, John Carter of Uranus. Obviously, it's a porno. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was going to... Someone was going to go there. Yeah. yeah. Harry, I think you're going to like this next one. William Leclerc said, John and Agent Carter, a very strange MCU crossover. Sure. Sure. I don't like it, okay. but sure. Right. As a concept. <laughs> you recognise it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mika Wynn obviously had a similar reaction to this film as I did. Just said, John Carter fucking dies. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> Brutal. Wow, yeah. Uh, Colin Baxter said... John Carter and Matt Damon move to Mars to grow potatoes, but something threatens the Enterprise. 
Mm-hmm. It's like a Star Trek meets the Martian. Yeah, okay. Okay, I can see that. I think the use of the word Enterprise is very loaded there. Mm. Yeah. I just assumed. Cool. I'm going to do more to your delivery of it, but yeah, sure. sure. Mm. Uh, Jason Harris <laughs> said, John Carter, democratically elected leader of Mars. <laughs> like yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> and Kevin James Kramer said, I actually really enjoy this movie. It's got issues, but it's a really fun popcorn flick. Um, so sequel idea is... Thank you. Yeah, Kevin James Kramer is on your side. His sequel idea is John Carter 2, Coach Carter. Okay. Also a film. <laughs> Coach sure. Carter. Yeah. People like that Coach Carter thing. Yeah, that, that's that's proven to be popular. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are our sequel ideas for um, John Carter. If you have any sequel ideas for John Carter or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, you name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, let us know, and we'll get on it. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set on Twitter. And we have exclusive merchandise on tpublic.com. Just search Beyond the Box Set. And also, we are proud members of the Pave Media Podcasting Network. Did I get through that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, got, you got through it very good. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so... <laughs> Whether you've done that without being asked to do so, and also, Ross did the exact same thing on Two Geeks, Two Movies last I, episode. <laughs> I don't know. Without uh, so being told to do so, just like, oh yeah, Ben Pave Media, question mark? I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm trying to support it. Well done. Thank, um, you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So... Harry, what are we doing next week? Is it my choice? It's your choice, yes. Oh, it is. I just want to make sure. Yes. Okay. Oh, God, your eyes lit up then. <laughs> well, no, you, you know, well, so, yeah, I've I've had a film on the Is it going to be any kind of film to do with Mars? Brandon, not sure if you're aware, we did The Martian last week. Oh, yeah. And so now we've done this. Are, are we doing a Mars theme or are we not? No, I didn't think of that. I mean, we could do. We could do like Mars Needs Bombs or something, but that wasn't where I was going. Um, is that a film? One of the biggest yes. flops of all time. Yes. Yeah. Whoa, that think, sounds awful. Do you want to do that? No, it's, it's your choice, John. It's your choice. Well, I was going to suggest just a film that's been on my shortlist for a while, which is uh, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, that, that's been on my list too. Yeah. Should mm. we just do that one? Yeah, let's do that cool. one. That's going to be good. Great. So next week, we're going to do The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Lovely. Have you seen it, Brandon? I have not, but I own it. I've been meaning to watch it for quite some time. Well, this is a good opportunity if you to watch it. Mm. Yeah. Get prepared. I might check it out. You should, yeah. Cool. So join us next week for The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Brandon, would you like to have one last crack at promoting your podcast very quickly to tell people where, where you can find it? What it sure. Is, well, you can find me personally on Instagram and Twitter on at BT McClure. Um, as I said, my show, Fake Nerd Podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Fake Nerd Podcast. Uh, I have another show, Miscellaneous. Uh, we talk about mythology uh, and things that I like. Uh, that's miscellaneous. Can't pre- uh, if you can't spell that, it's a tough word to spell. It's M Y T H E L L A N E O U S. But you know, Fakener Podcast is part of the Paid Media Network uh, now, so you can check out uh, that on that site. Uh, well, yeah, we talk about nerd nerd culture and all things of the like. Try to you know take a take a bite out of out of a uh, nerd culture and try try to take a more positive stance on on certain things. Um, I should—I forgot to mention the name actually comes from the idea that there are quote-unquote fake nerds, uh, and I don't believe that's th- that's true. So we try to disprove that uh, that idea sometimes. Nice, I, I like I like that. Yeah, I think our name's kind of a, a counterpoint to what we're what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. No, it's been a pleasure, and thank you very much for bringing this film to us. Which, and I'm sorry that we didn't enjoy it more. 
but uh, it's been hey fun man, to talk not about. everyone can like everything exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah so yeah thank you very much Brandon and uh, join us next week for the curious case of Benjamin Button that's going to be a good one okay thank you very much everybody and we'll see you next time see you later bye bye First item is beans.